Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. I also command that you keep listening to Adrian Has Issues. Hey everybody, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Happy 2019 everybody. Usually this time of year, uh, people are just coming off of the holiday season, but for Eileen and I both, uh, we are also coming off of flu season. Needless to say, in the first couple of weeks, there wasn't really a whole lot of living actually done. Just more of trying not to get sicker, but yeah, I don't trust convenience store flu shots. And I mean, it's not strictly just a CVS thing, but... I didn't even trust when my own job would do it because it used to be like a thing where we'd all be walking on like a bread line going into our what was our boardroom. And, and somebody there with a bag. There'd be someone there with like <laughs> a sterilization kit, the, the, the kit of needles and all that. And you have to wait your turn. And I'm like, I know this is all safe and sanitary, but the person never looked like they belong there. Like, okay. Are you actually giving us a flu shot, or is this some sort of weird, like, what was that, Blade 2, when they brought the, the Reaper guy to the clinic in the beginning? <laughs> and then the guy's like, oh, they, they give cash here for blood. Yeah. <laughs> no, the one in CVS, you're not doing it, like, on the counter where they're doing the pills, the consultation <laughs> counter or whatever. They actually have a room that's a hospital-type room in the back, sterile, actual technicians knowing what they're doing. And it was all very lovingly clinical, like going to the doctor. And it was just kind of like, oh, okay. You just never noticed the door was there by the baby wipes until they opened it up. And it was just kind of like, oh, so you actually went to a whole other room to do it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And it was like, all right, cool. I was wondering, where the hell they do this? They just sit you by the pressure machine? and <laughs> well, well, yeah, they, no, they sit you in the blood pressure machine. They got to get the vein out, right? So they put you in the machine. You know, they yeah, they turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> Arms bulging out like you're about to get like injected super soldier serum. Yeah, no, like, don't but those two too hard. Like I'm always the one that like you gotta release your fist. You just, like, like, no, I I don't <laughs> trust all that. Like and no, I, I actually trust that better than the one that they used to come to my job and do it in the boardroom was just somebody who shows up with a bag of shit and just like all right, you know. But also, I just to get stuck in the arm. I'm like, why do I gotta spend a whole long ass wait in a waiting room for how many? freaking i don't know how long just they could go all right you're done you know no but that worked because it's like you're you're getting paid to stand in line to get stuck with a needle yeah if you're gonna stamp me with a needle you better pay me why should i have to pay you <laughs> either way i feel like an asshole because i probably should have just gotten a flu shot this year but this is the one year i didn't do it this is the one year actually no probably second year i didn't do it but yes last year i didn't get the flu though last year was fine but this year you know, when you're getting reports from your mom from PR that, like, people are dying, yeah. how is that supposed to make us feel? Yeah, it's just kind of like, my thing is, why the hell does that woman always know everything that's going on over here before I do? <laughs> She's somebody I don't know, the, the, I mean, miles away. It's like, damn, I don't know how many people die. Like, like, oh, people, you know, and it's just so dangerous, and you should have the kids. And I'm just kind of like, too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, needless to say, there wasn't really much in the way of show recording or anything going on. But I mean, no, that's not entirely true. I mean, having come out of it in the last what half a week? Well, you got it first, then the boy got it, and I'm like, I I need to go shopping because I know I'm going to get it next. And then it was like, Happy birthday! What'd you get? Influenza. <laughs> it, it's thoughtful and practical you know so i think the only one i made out good was the girl and usually she's patient zero so i mean she worked out really well this year and we all died so now we're very i mean it's a hell of a way to lose 10 pounds i gotta say but uh yeah. it was like half the month's gone already i don't know january is one of those months where it's the start of the new year nothing oh i shouldn't say well things used to not happen in January. Mm. The only thing you really used to have to worry about was the Super Bowl, which now the Super Bowl gets played in February, so you didn't even have that much. January, other than, well, now your birthday, which, you know, have you belated. Thank you. Um, other than that, the only thing you really had to be concerned about was what throwaway action movie that didn't get the Christmas release would be coming out. 
Because January was like prime time for like the Underworld series, where it's like, look, they couldn't get that sweet Christmas spot, and you couldn't quite get that Valentine's Day spot, because that's before they realized you could show something other than rom-coms in February. Mm. So now there's like like Deadpool premiere in February. Mm. But January used to just be like, okay, what movies are not going to do super well in the spring, but we don't want to release it and you have it get like buried around the holidays. So now we're in a world where it's like, all right, you know, let's look on my phone. Okay, what national embarrassment are we going to have to deal with? So we don't have the luxury of being bored anymore. With that kind of crap going on, I'd rather be bored. No, I, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I'd rather be bored. <laughs> you know? I would love to be like, oh, yeah, Super Bowl. There's two teams that I didn't want in. Oh, look. And some milk toast pop band's going to be playing. And Oh, but that Budweiser commercial's on point this year again. <laughs> well, oh, that's right. Well, there's that. There's the Bud Bowl. Then you got to hope, all right, what car company is going to, uh, uh, you know, abuse the, the quotes of a great civil rights leader this year? Right. Because was it Ford last year? Was it Dodge? Who was that that used the MLK speech? And it was just like, wow. It comes down to, for me, is like the Bud, Geico. What's the other one? Maybe like a movie trailer. Yeah. yeah. But even like the movie trailers, they always do those before the Super Bowl now. So you don't even have to like watch the game to see those. Yeah. Because a lot of people, they've been putting their commercials Oh, and Doritos. Those are the three fun ones. Yeah. Even no, I'm like even then I'm like I'm sorry. I enjoy the commercials way more than I enjoy the game. <laughs> but I want at least okay, even with the commercials, I want there to be a good game. Well yeah, I guess, yeah. It got it got better to follow when they started superimposing those lines on the screen. Cause I remember the first time they started doing that and I'm like, Whoa. Like how do they know it's like it always stops right with that line? And it was just and then I realized, holy fuck, that's just moving. <laughs> no. The absolute best, and by best I mean worst, was when they tried that with the NHL on Fox, where I guess one of the Chico points was they didn't know where the puck was. So their idea was, well, throughout the game, we're going to digitally highlight the puck in a red circle for the entire game. So it was like you're playing air hockey? Yeah, so anytime they did a pass or would shoot, it would have like this weird like zoom line, and it would like change colors. Like It looked like a video game. I mean, it could be worse. They could have put one of those little diamonds over it like Sims. <laughs> I feel like that would have been better, but like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, this, this is not exactly the most exciting month, which is not the best thing to say when you are running an entertainment website. I, I don't know. I'm Hispanic, <laughs> so for your half my family at some cousin somewhere has a birthday in January. <laughs> There's like a million of us. I don't know if you really looked at any calendar of anything that's happening. Like, are is there anything non-impeachment related <laughs> that uh. you can say you're looking forward to this year well no no wait let, let's step back first off well first most congratulations we've officially kicked off uh you know the latin nerd experience the experience that's right i'm sorry i keep reading latin nerd experience <laughs> because i have to be different and eccentric and multifaceted at all times so. right well i mean you heard episode zero and that got a very good response and everybody was asking what was the next move. And I made the joke earlier today that you were kind of like the Puerto Rican Sade in terms of like, <laughs> you don't make moves until like you're damn good ready. It's like, look, I may not drop another album for 20 years, but when that drops, you're going to listen. Like the world is going to stop. I will take it. <laughs> I don't know. That's... That's probably the sweetest thing anybody has ever insulted me with. <laughs> no, that wasn't even. No, I was actually being really. You know, no, if I had used but, Lauren Hill, as far as like you know, calling somebody on them taking this sweet ass time getting to something like this. No, I was sweet. being super confident. No, I knew you were because it was like I knew you were. Now, but, if I said you were like Lauren Hill, but where you're, then already, I just I wouldn't have just got there. Period. <laughs> no, you'd be there, but you just would be in the back, like, oh, my chakras haven't aligned. Where's I? <laughs> Damn shame. Show for Lauren Hill and she's there singing Erica Badu. I don't know. It'd just be obvious. It just would be. It just. Someone would. Someone would listen to that. It's my podcast. It's not a podcast. I'm reading the blog. Not for nothing. I feel like there's an audience for that. <laughs> Probably. It's the audio companion to the blog. It's like, isn't you that know? just a podcast? Like, no. Then it I'm blogging the audio- like, <laughs> and then I'm blogging like, hey, so this is what do you think? And he said. It's like, wow, that is something. <laughs> like, great. Now you just gave all your best secrets. See, now <laughs> that was going to be something I was going to share later on. 
That was that was behind the scenes. That's inside baseball. Don't don't be giving out secrets like that. Yeah, well, you know, it was episode but, zero. We still didn't do one yet. <laughs> no, we have not done one, but you did do zero. I did do zero. And, and there, that was the first step because I know you had been wanting to do something for the longest. And I think making those small steps were very cool. I needed to be comfortable with it. And you know how long it took me to get comfortable being on a mic when we first started. I just could not ignore thing in my face that recorded everything i said and didn't talk back to me <laughs> which is weird because i thought you were very natural those first few no i mean so much so that everybody's always like where's that mean? where's that mean? i'm tired of hearing the other guy where's well i'm very good at feeding off of your energy so thank you for letting me be succubus <laughs> what energy like it's what damn near like what 11 o'clock at night like there's no, well, no energy well you know freaks come out at night i don't know what to tell you freaks you come know, out we're, we're, we're <laughs> Freeze come out at night. Freeze come out at night. So there you go. Oh, sorry. I got to represent my 80s. What? what? No, like, I am a huge fan of hip hop ad libs. Yes. Because, all right, because my question is, I'm sure someone with a lot more knowledge than me will probably give a very educated answer. Mm -hmm. My thing is this, though, like, is it something you just do off the cuff? Do you practice yours? Or is it just like, okay, as the line's coming up, like, here's the moment where you decide, I'm going to yell something here. There's a little bit of both. From what I can remember from back in the day, there's a certain amount of rehearsal in front of your mirror, just like girls did singing into their hairbrush and all that. Guys do practice kind of a little bit of, you know, or they kind of... So you mean to tell they'll me, do like... A, they'll do a little clip for the people. Yeah, that's hot, that's hot. You throw in, you know. So, so like, what you're saying is, like, Travis Scott will look at his mirror and be like, straight up? Straight yeah. up? Straight up? No, that's not right. Straight up? There you go. Yeah. There, that's it, that's it. Oh, and everybody's in the shower like, oh! oh. You killed that Avalon, man! Also, where's your head and shoulders? <laughs> Mom, knock on the door. Yo, that beat was hot. Get the fuck out! <laughs> Run up all the hot water. <laughs> That, it, it, you better this track better go on the on the charts because you know, shoot, water bill ain't cheap. Shit, <laughs> seriously, You'll be late for work. Because <laughs> you know what always used to kill me though, like seeing like live hip hop shows, which is why I didn't go to them for so long. Because it always be like, okay, there's one sole performer on this song, mm -hmm. but there's at least twenty guys on stage. And during it, everybody's yelling something, and it's not always the same thing. And it's like, looks like, all right, first off, guy number 25, yeah. you're a step behind. Can you please stay still? Why are y'all yelling behind me? I can't hear myself. Yeah. It's like too, it's too much what what's, you know, and whatever. And that's the thing. And I hate that double, that double speak. Like hip hop, you used to hear their voice. Now you hear them, and it sounds like they have an echo with them. And it's just their voice looped with them again. If your voice is strong and your lyrics are tight, you don't need to have that echo. Like, why we got to hear you twice? It's the first time sucked. I don't want to hear it a second time. Maybe we should probably do ad-libs for our own show. Like, <laughs> like But I can't take somebody else's. Agent, agent, has, has, issue, issue. No, not even. Not even just double speak, but I just got to yell something out. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, give me a taste of something on your show. Let's see if I can do like an ad-lib real quick. Take like, wepa. See, I, I got nothing for that. Go ahead and take it easy. <laughs> well see at that point i would just put the air horn on it you know like, pretty much just go jamaican just go and maybe that's where we've been going wrong no, for like no, what for no no. no sirens no sirens we haven't done any ad-libs no gunshots well see you can't do that during the interview show because it'd be like oh so what's the inspiration for this book bra, bra, bra. <laughs> they're like wait what um um well let's see since i was a kid you know it's like, <laughs> you just completely just derail every interview no that's actually perfect bra, bra, bra. there's a kid <laughs> unless you're telling like batman's origin story <laughs> Stop it! Too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. So, in other words, it was just yeah. <clears throat> well, that that's kind of messed up to be like, oh, well, Batman's parents were taken out by a very disgruntled rapper. It's like, <laughs> turns out it wasn't even a gun; it was just the air horn that scared the shit out of him, <laughs> and he just dropped. We well, heard sirens right after, so you know they came into kid of business. Yeah. 
you know, Joe Chill came right there, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> like trying to mark the way to like, oh shit, I was not prepared for that. And he just hit the ground, like just had a like, bad heart attack. So bad. Oh shit. Oh, wait a minute. What am I talking about? Cause um shit, it'll be four years this month. Oh yeah. Four years of this very same podcast that we're ruining right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know four years. Because I've been doing this about almost as long as I've known you, which is, what, five years? Yeah. Damn, we missed everything. So, no, we did miss a lot. Okay, so, um, obviously, we missed the holidays. Um, Thanksgiving, though, we didn't really do a Thanksgiving one. Well, we did one the year before. It was like a, hey, right. thanks, guys. And then, you know, we had... Well, we barely of- did a Thanksgiving. <laughs> we had a delayed Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, yeah, delayed Thanksgiving. Well, um, of course, our anniversary came mm-hmm. and went. Um birthdays the birthday came and went. <laughs> well no well i guess we've delayed your birthday so that'll be right. next week so right. we might just have to come back and do something then yes so yeah but it'll it's been four years of this very show and mm-hmm. you know and we told that story before about how this version of the show came to be mm-hmm. but i think it's cool because now having been doing this for four years i don't feel like i feel more pressure but at the same time i don't feel pressure because there comes that sort of reevaluating, but then it's like, you know, Latino experiences is kicking off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that to look forward to. And I feel like we, and I'm not trying to say this to like, you know, pump ourselves up, but I feel like we've come to a really cool place right now where both of our projects are, are off the ground. And it's just more of that awesome partnership. And something I've always appreciated about you is the fact that had it not been for you, this show wouldn't have happened. And it was cool. Um, actually, we had just um, sent out a tweet and someone had complimented us regarding the uh, logo. And it's like, I can't take credit for that. That was all you. Like, and, and that was the product of you just being so stuck and freaking out about how we're going to redo the logo, redo the logo. And I was like, he's never going to move forward and just do this until we do this logo. Because so it was important to me. Like, I just was- started sketching out stuff. And I was like, right, what do I remember learning from back in high school art? <laughs> And we go to school and um, my old graffiti skills and somehow it ended up working out. And, you know, and shout out to to our good friend who digitally reproduced my initial drawing. Right. That was uh, Shay, right? Yep. Okay. I stand corrected. We started to show up being like, hey, shit happening, man. Like nothing's going on. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like the world happened at least in our little corner of it well yeah and then now that we finally are not comatose anymore um there's you know hey miles morales man yeah you it's know? about damn time oh my god like okay i'm not, i don't want to spoil the movie but no i'm just gonna no 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 no. i'm gonna stop you real quick and be like y'all should have been this miles morales thing for ages but i'm glad everybody's finally here True, but I'm just gotta say, you know, represente Nueva York. I'm telling you, New York, the Hispanic community, all our taggers and graffiti artists, all our peoples, everybody trying to get out of public school and get into the private school, and everybody want to go back. Everybody with the kicks. I'm telling you, that movie was just so on point. The mixed household, the running out the house. Dipping your spoon in the pot of Arroco Mabichuela while mommy's trying to put you out the door while your father's like, you better get on your stuff, son. <laughs> you know, embarrassing your ass in front of the whole school. I'm telling you, that movie was so home. It resonated so deeply with me, my kids, you know, I'm sure you, anybody who's in the tri-state area had to feel that movie. Anybody yeah. who his, who's Hispanic or mixed household had to feel that. Anybody who's urban had to feel that. It was just so multi-layered and beautiful. And it was just so real. They really did such a really good job of kind of that slice of life thing that was really missing from Spider-Man. Oh, it was always in New York, but it never really felt like New York. And I was just about to say, Into the Spider-Verse was probably the closest representation of... I mean, maybe if you're talking about New York, because Marvel... At the end of the day, no matter where their headquarters may be located, mm-hmm. New York is not just where the headquarters are located. It's not even just it's where the characters character. were. It's a character in and of itself because mm-hmm. everything was informed by the experiences of the characters and how they related to the city, how the city related to them. Right. 
And they've gotten better with each movie, let's say from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies back in the early 2000s, you know, on to like the Andrew Garfield movies, which, look, I know everybody's, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are probably grousing, but I feel but like- I like the Garfield I movies. Too. He wasn't your typical Peter Parker, kind of, you know, white boy, you know, split on the side, you know, kind of Peter Parker, but I like that. He was the most, that seemed the most authentically New York represented movie at the time. Right. And how this white boy in the middle of Queens would feel about living yeah. there, you know? And it was cool, like, then with the Tom Holland Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. which I think maybe, like, as a city, you know, they did a really good job in at least Peter's corner of New York. How, like, the relationship he had with the, the guy at the bodega, you mm-hmm. know, he knew the cat by name, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, like, him riffing about, you know, the, the, the guy, like, hitting on his aunt and... Right. And or the, the, arguing you, about, was it the deli or whatever? Yeah, when he and um, Donald Glover were arguing about, like, the deli and which one was better. Mm-hmm. And just even being in his school where it felt like a city public school where they were like, oh, snap, there's, like, ethnic people here. Yeah. Like, like there's melanin in this, student. Yeah, like, there's melanin in this school. <laughs> the broody awesome. kid and the, the token white guys. And I love that, like, even, like, the principal, and you see the picture in the background, was, um, I don't remember the character's name, but the Asian guy from the Howling Commandos mm, from Captain America. Like, right. that's his, like, grandson who's the principal there. And that's, like, how dope is that? Right. And, like, as they keep going, and especially, like I said, with Homecoming, this was the best love letter to New York that I think they've done in Marvel-wise. You know, not counting maybe, like, some of the Netflix stuff. Right. And it was celebratory and not like, cause a lot of times they do New York in movies or comics. It's always like, oh, it's, it's either the very Manhattan high fashion or it's very much the ghetto gritty project. Whatever. Like the, the alleyways are spilling with blood. Like, yeah, you know, and then everybody who's not in the tri-state area just scared shitless to come to New York and not realizing, hey, most of the state isn't even city. It's like forest. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Or swamp if you're from Jersey. So, <laughs> whatever. I mean, we got to claim Buffalo for some reason. So you now nah, we don't claim them, but they're there barely. But, you know. <laughs> you hear that, Buffalo listeners? I'm sorry. I'll shout out Poughkeepsie and the Chance Theater over there. They're awesome. And the cops that don't bust you for weed, but they will bust you for alcohol. I don't understand the why, but, you know, it's a thing. But anyway, the new movie, it really embodied New York in the realest way I've ever seen New York represented. And New York's been in a million movies and shows and whatever. And this one was just so authentic in a way that had never been really presented. Like, it poked fun at itself to a point, but not in an insulting way. And nobody was so one-dimensional that they were a caricature of themselves. Like, you know, Miles, they really, he really was a complete boy, you know? (laughs) He wasn't just completely socially awkward, but he also wasn't a popular kid. And they always paint him as kind of the reject kid in the past, I think, a lot of the Spider-Man. Yeah, I think Homecoming was probably the first time they didn't. Yeah, where he was kind of like, all right, there's people that I'm popular with and I'm cool with. And then there's the ones that, all right, they're still a little above me, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cooling myself and, you know, I'm going to keep doing my thing. You know, either pay I will t- say, like, you know, like you can pay attention to me or not. I'm still going to try and be like, what up? You know? Something I love, though, about Homecoming, I think one of my favorite scenes in that was, you know, in the beginning when you see him kind of going throughout his day and into the school, one of the first conversations he has is when, like, Ned comes up to him and talk about the Lego Death Star, you know, and it's like, and he's looking at, um, what's, what was his name? Liz, I think was the name of the girl mm-hmm. he was into. And, like, normally how that scene would have played out was, oh, they would have mocked him for, oh, you talk about Lego pieces. But then he's like, oh, sweet, how many pieces? Mm-hmm. Like, he was so just into, like, oh, no way. Like, I'm actually really excited about this. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, he kind of blew up my spot a little bit. But it's, like, at the same time, it's like Lego Death Star, man. Right. Exactly. Like, I love that with each iteration or just... They start be, getting it right. They start getting it right. <laughs> at least from Sony's end, because, you know, they've really right. been struggling with that. Like, he can be so many different things. Like, he's not one-dimensional, like you said. And the thing is that I think that this was probably the first time where they actually acknowledged that New York is actually another character. Yeah. And not just a setting. I think that's probably the disconnect that I'm realizing right now that we're talking about it, is that New York was always just where everything kind of took place. And for Spider-Verse, New York was another character. And that's why I really lament 
the fact that the Netflix shows, I guess it was kind of a failed experiment because now they're slowly but surely all getting canceled. But it was cool because at first it was interesting to see like, okay, you take the movie setting, something like the attack in New York with the aliens from the very first Avengers movie. You know, we saw that fight in that movie, like right underneath that portal. And this big grand fight with all these superheroes and there's aliens. But then, you know, Netflix shows, people talked about it. It's like the normal New Yorkers are just like, At ground level, you're kind of hearing about it. Right. Like, so in Daredevil, it was like, okay, they were, Hell's Kitchen was pretty much like almost right there. And all that territory ended up getting trashed and Kingpin using that to his advantage. But where they saw that almost firsthand. But then you go to Harlem and then you're realizing like... It almost was like secondhand where like, you know, you had the one kid that of course had like what sound like the bootleg footage of mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, oh, we got the old dude with the hammer. Like the-, <laughs> <laughs> the hell with aliens. We got to do a gentrification still. <laughs> exactly. You know, the only, thing that, the only thing they did tap into was kind of like, all right, well, we found this stuff and we got new, new, new guns and new whatever to, to run. And cause yeah. at the end of the day, we just going to hustle. So if we got new stuff to hustle. Sweet. <laughs> Which was cool that even did that in um, Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. you know, going back to that. What would be that kind of cleanup process or the, the, you know, there's always scavengers, there's always opportunists. And then, of course, the ones that try and do right, you know, and kind of what would that landscape, how would that have changed by adding all of this drama and alien tech and just that whole war, really, even yeah. though me or battle, I should say, you know, and how that would affect people on the ground level. Absolutely. You know, I really hope that with Spider-Verse, though, people really understand that New York culture, there's a reason why it's so iconic. And like that movie, while feeling like a very big trip, it felt like graffiti in in real time. Exactly. That movie was like one big tag. And somehow they managed to find a way to animate it. And, you know, especially when, you know, like, what it would break into like especially a lot of like the new york hip-hop and like a lot of the you know the soundtrack is like this feels like the city that i know it really is and that's something that even you know i gotta give credit to the netflix shows is that a lot of those shows obviously were all in new york but they Mm -hmm. all showed a different side of new york different micro chasms of new york that people aren't aware are there like everybody just kind of thinks of there's you know fifth avenue the richie rich and then there's the projects not realizing that there's so many different neighborhoods and and communities in between all that. So you'll have Iron Fist touching on Chinatown. You'll have Luke Cage, you know, talking on Harlem. You'll have Daredevil with Hell's Kitchen. These are all very distinct little ecosystems within New York that even though they have similarities, they're also in a lot of ways very different experiences. Right. And that's the thing that's uh, that I love about my city, you know, because Harlem in the house, what, what? I love that you can go from one block to the next or a few blocks down, and it's like entering a whole different, mm-hmm. a different world, a whole different culture. I mean, shoot, you could walk down a few, 10 blocks and pass 10 different languages, you know? It's just Absolutely. like, you know, and as many places to eat. The culture or cultures of New York, are so multifaceted and there's just so many of them. And I love that Spider-Verse really kind of captured that and captured that in a way where he wasn't just stuck in one. It touched on so many different things and it was like, oh, snap. Like, that was, that was like, you know, and you're seeing it and it was like, oh, that was like my cousin. Oh, this running with my uncle and all oh, this, you know. Yeah, and it was that just was like, oh, this running like, your dad. <laughs> that movie, I think that's something that, you know, we talk about, like, let's say, like, the main Marvel Avengers mm-hmm. movies and why those resonate so much. The special effects are great. The characters that you've seen, you know, from the comic books and live action are cool. But what makes those movies great to me is that character development where you can almost see yourself having these same interactions with people you know, even though you don't have superpowers. And that was great about Spider-Verse is I saw so much of my family... Like, I saw so much of my dad, and I guess now myself and Miles' father, I see parts of you and his mom, but also it's all like, you know. My aunts. Yeah. <laughs> I saw my aunts. <laughs> you know, because it's like everybody that works in the hospital is like typical. The, the Hispanics are working in the hospital. 
you know, the other ones are cops, and this one's doing, you know, they have the guys with the bodega, like the hood rats hanging out outside, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you get your prep school people, and, you know, so it's just like, it just covered every, and all within the same block. Right, and know? like seeing our kids, and like, you know, either Miles or even like Penny Parker. Penny, that's right, Penny Parker. I saw my best friend in Spider-Man Noir. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 if only for like the Nick Cage connection, like... Oh my god, that was such great casting. <laughs> Which I didn't realize John Mulaney was Spider-Ham. Ah! Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes total sense now. Oh, and Lily Tomlin as... Oh, it was um, Aunt May? Aunt May. Okay, let's... let's, let's First, let's... I just give it up to Lily Tomlin for coming back and being, like, in the middle of the most relevant thing right now. You know, I mean, I used to make lovely time from back in the day. And Which I haven't seen Grace and Frankie, but I heard she's amazing on that. I'm sure she it is, but I don't want to see mean... Jane Fonda. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast right there. You know, shout out to Lily because she's always been amazing. Their version of Aunt May was the one that I appreciated. Well, hers mm-hmm. and Sally Field because while we didn't get to get to that point with Sally Field, with any version of Aunt May, there always comes that moment in any of the stories where it's like, cut the bullshit. You know, I, she knew exactly, she what, was knew exactly what was going on. She knew exactly what was going on. Like this woman, like you raised this kid. You mean to tell me that he kept a secret from everyone? Like, he can't, right. you can't bullshit someone no. who's been around the way like her at all. Yeah, especially, you know, your kid, and all of a sudden they start, he starts keeping different hours, like having, you know, boo-boos and all kinds of stuff. She's going to know something. Exactly. So, so that, but that was. It was cool that they doubled down on that. And it's like, not only am I aware, I'm in, I'm, you know, I'm like, involved. Yeah. Like, like that I mean, was with the shits. Like, she had like a whole underground bunker. It's like, all right, what do you need? Let's get this mm-hmm. shit handled. And it's about time you showed up and got your stuff together because, <laughs> see, I've been waiting for yes. But I just love the fact that even knowing, like, there's this brief moment where she realizes, like, this isn't her Peter Parker, but it's Peter Parker nonetheless, and she was still there for him. Like, mm-hmm. that was still probably one of the most touching things I've seen in any iteration of Spider-Man. And also, they didn't make Mary Jane knowing. Yeah, like, that was actually really cool. Yeah. And if you played the, the PlayStation Spider-Man game, Mary Jane's stealth missions are very annoying. <laughs> but every iteration of her, they always kind of overdo her in a way that's just kind of like, yeah. But this one, they actually put Justin up and be like, all right, she's there. She's whatever, but this ain't about her. And she's not all annoying or hyper emotional or judgmental or whatever. She's just kind of like, I'm here. I've been through some shit. You know, you're kind of weird. And they handled that very well because, you know, that could have derailed that movie. You know, it got really, really deep, this movie. Like, as much fun as it was, it got really real in really significant ways that were just kind of like, damn. But at the end of it, it still came back around to that. It wasn't just, okay, Uncle Ben died and Uncle Ben died and Uncle Ben died and everybody's dying and no, I gotta be alone. this time Peter Parker was Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah, and I gotta be alone. And, you know, it was more like, I right, shit happens. But look, then we got all this other cool stuff that happened. And hey, I'm not alone. And not only am I not alone, I'm not alone in a lot of places. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and it's weird how that even saying and showing that and doing that felt like such a radical departure when you realize it shouldn't. Because something that we often would joke about is the fact that it's almost like a race of whose origin story is more dragged out. Batman's or Spider-Man's? Because it's like in both versions, Spider-Man's. they're pretty close. I mean, but his is pretty much over in a gunshot. You know, it's just kind of like, all right, we walked, we got shot. He grew up. We saw Bat, he grew up. This The Ben one, there's always a million different versions of how Ben died. When they did Tom Holland's Spider-Man, I liked how his conversation with Tony Stark in Civil War was probably the best way to handle that because... You know, as he had to say, it's like, you know, I came to the Lambe with everything that's happened. And you know exactly what he was referring mm-hmm. to. And even like, they didn't even have to say the quote word, but he's like, look, you know, when you could do what I do and bad things happen and you don't sort of stop them, like, that's on you. And that's such a great way to basically just tell that very important yet a little, little hokey. Like, we've heard it before. So that's why it- I like the one in the Miles. He's like, don't you dare finish that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Like, we get it at this point. Like, yeah. It's understood because you can show us that without having to sit there and drive the point home. Right. It's been totally plotted or out. Or have your third movie Rubidum. basically be like, yeah, we turns out we got the wrong guy. This guy to kill Drunko. But <sighs> that's okay. We've, we've grown since then. We've, we've learned since then, hopefully. Probably. But I love how Spider-Verse actually touched on all the movies before it in some way. Yeah. They all kind of made fun of 
put a jab or pay homage or whatever to all the movies that came before it and all the things that were wrong. <laughs> and that, that was a beautiful way. And I think that's what Sony, and I hope they hold on to this and don't get too big for their britches because... Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, we made some mistakes, but you know what? We, we, we're moving forward, <laughs> and it's all right. And allowing themselves to laugh at themselves a little bit, right. I think, worked out well. And I was not expecting that movie to be as good as it was. And it kind of slid under the radar, and I think that's the best way for something like that to happen. It really was. like I re- That thing really Trojan horsed me. Yeah, it was definitely a sleeper hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally was. Like, I didn't, honestly, I went in there with very little expectation i figure okay the animated movies are always fun in general even marvel dc whatever the animated movies are always fun and usually way better than the movies anyway (laughs) so i went in there just kind of like all right it's gonna be a fun flick fun cartoon i'm not as familiar with the spider-verse and miles morales as many are but i was just kind of like cool i just went in i'm just gonna enjoy this but it just totally floored me you you went in there, you watched it during it, and after you just felt like you were there with him. Even though it was kind of tripping, and you kind of felt like, maybe I need 3D glasses, maybe I don't, I don't know. But you felt like you were there. But at the, the reverence overall, I think, is what sold it. And something that I think was very great about that movie was, with each character's intro, they made a point of... And it was cool that they used an actual comic cover with each character. But just see, even seeing the co-creators' names on the books i think was a, props was really right and well even done. you know and i well now, now that i'm thinking about it this is the first marvel related product that we've seen since stan lee passed even he still made his cameo and he still made his cameo probably one of the unintentionally saddest ones yet like honestly his i don't want to say but he saved it <laughs> he saved it like i don't want to go too much into it because i feel like it's something you probably should see on your own yeah but i feel like that's right up there and with... we'll apologize for the spoilers at the beginning of the show <laughs> yeah that his post credits not post credits but his cameo scene mm-hmm. was about as strangely prophetic and kind of sad as like even like let's say paul walker's line from Fury 7 during the funeral scene mm. where like um, Tyrese is looking at him he's like promise me no more funeral and it's like oh yeah only one more and there's that long pause mm-hmm. and then he says his referring to the villain and you almost expect him to say mine mm. and it's like damn y'all could have maybe cut that part out or something <laughs> that's, too close to home it's too <laughs> close to home like it really was like I get what you're going for but stands it was very well done and it was even cool and even in that last um, dedication mm-hmm. and it was very important that they even showed Steve Ditko's name because as great as Stanley was he didn't necessarily do it alone right so it was cool that they showed at least that much and I think that was kind of the point of the movie mm-hmm. is that yes to be a hero sometimes can be very lonely but it doesn't always have to be you always have a team and that's why I loved when they featured the comic covers they showed the co-creators and they paid that homage and that, and that was probably the most respectful comic related product I've ever seen. As far as just really respecting the hell out of the industry, the entity that is comics. Yeah. And those characters. You know, I hope that now that Stanley's gone, that his mission that he always tried to push doesn't get lost. Well, it's looking like, you know, the tide has definitely turned and we've said this many times before. Whether it be in the indie scene, especially because, you know, the underground always pushes forward. And, you know, and I have nothing but love for any of the mainstream culture. But again, talking about New York, talking about the counterculture and how much of that was reflected in Spider Man and showing how much of that drives things forward and how much of that change is brought on by them. I think it's important now to realize that. Yes, they, I guess, referring to the Founding Fathers of Marvel, had done so much. And, you know, even talking about DC and the other comic groups coming up, you know, to kind of get us to this point. But now we're sort of at, like, this passing of the torch. And we're seeing some of the creators that we've spoken to, even on, like, an indie level, and the moves that they've made. And seeing, you know, from, like, the creator-owned books, and now working on, let's say, even those seeing those get pushed up and now seeing them work on more mainstream titles and it's great seeing that progression and realizing things are changing and hopefully for the better yeah because i was just thinking you know like miles you know most of the spider-mans he was trying to get the cool outfit because he had the crappy outfit 
in Miles' case, they gave him a cool outfit right off the bat, but he took that and he's like, nah, I had to make this my own. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, almost, I guess you could say almost deconstructed it, but not really, but he made it, he's a kid, you know, on the streets of New York. So he wasn't going to walk around in your generic leotard. He was going to sit there and he was going to wear his Nikes and he was going to put his hoodie on and he was going to spray paint his own logo and make that his Spider-Man. Right. It's funny how the one character, he's Peter B. Parker. And it's like, and that's true. He had to be Parker and Miles had to be himself. He's a very much split between two worlds in his whole life. You know, he's young Hispanic mom, black dad. She's medical. He's cop. Miles started in public school, ends up in, you know, a a private school. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants to, you know, the law be the law abiding. But at the same time, he wants to put his art up on a wall which is very much not law abiding. <laughs> you know, he has his father who's very strict and by the book and whatever. And then you have his uncle who's very street and just kind of like, you know, he's a hustler, but still respects that. Right. And then now you have this thing where he went from being the regular kids now having superpowers. And he was always kind of in that middle ground of where am I in this world? And I thought it was really cool symbolism when he was wearing a costume similar to the other Peter Parker it didn't fit him. Yeah. It was very ill-fitting where it's like the mask wasn't quite tight. Like the sleeves barely went down. Yeah. Like it wasn't him. Right. He's like, I'm not this carbon copy. He had to be his own Spider-Man. And that was probably, that is definitely the best way he can do that. That was the only way he was going to do that. He could not be, he, he couldn't do like Peter Parker where he had to follow the template. He had to be his own Parker, his own Spider-Man. The metaphor there wasn't lost on me, whether they, you know, intended it or not. Yeah, there's definitely, like, some very, like, major cultural levels on, like, just the layers upon layers of that. And what that means. And why does pizza always represent, like, abject adulthood? (laughs) I don't know. Like, and I don't know how that started. Much like, how did pop, like, how did pizza become, like, this weird symbol for, like, pop punk? But that's a whole other podcast for the time. coming soon um (laughs) um your next album (laughs) right like it's i don't know there's just so many great things to take away from it but the fact that anyone and everyone can take something away from that yeah even you know my daughter laughing and totally connecting with it even though she didn't necessarily grow up in an urban neighborhood but she still got to see somebody that was kind of like her like she was like okay the kid with the hair reminded her her brother oh look him with the fro (laughs) you know and just you know the one-liners and the comebacks whatever which if anybody has 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 ever met our kids they're just like us if not worse um they yeah it does not matter the age difference between eight and 14 both of them will have a comeback and will burn you hard (laughs) so but again the new yorkers in their blood so yeah it's it's in the blood Uh, they were they were doomed between being from new york and and being puerto rican i'm sorry they were screwed from the beginning but that movie and seeing the kids interact and the way they would come ragging on each other whatever the kids related. My daughter related and laughed, you know, and I was getting worried. She was kind of quiet for a lot of it. And I'm like, all right, does she really into it? Does she really like it? And then she just busted our gut. And it was just kind of like, all right, cool. And then came out and both of these kids were so excited. It's like, okay, this is our movie. Yeah. That is our family movie. Like that movie is on the list. The moment it comes out, that movie is going on our shelf in a place of authority. And Stan always said that anyone could be Spider-Man under the mask, but yet now this is the first time where that's felt true. And I think... I think he meant that metaphorically. Sorry. (laughs) Well, I'm even going to take that literally because I think it's about time that's even meant to be literally because it's like... Remember that line movie? (laughs) Yeah, but they always say that, but then it's like it's the same person and, you know, no disrespect. Yeah. But I think we've come to a point where we're ready for something different. We're ready for something not even just new. You know what? No, scratch that. We're ready for something genuine. New is great. Different is great too, though, but realness is something that doesn't always come through and it's that realness that's hard to come by because there's nothing harder to be than yourself that movie reminded me of and it's funny because the first thing i thought of when i left was i had that same feeling i thought of in that very last shot of black panther when like 
they go back to Oakland and where in that same basketball court was tragedy and they come back now with hope and this kid you know looking at him like whoa who are you that can be you and i was remember thinking damn like i could have used that when i was a kid not realizing no like i can use that now and i'm glad i actually saw it once the year started because i feel like that was sort of like that message that we needed coming forward into whatever the hell we're gonna end up in it really resonated and that thing of realness and being totally genuine is something that at least for me resonates very much because we live in this world where we're told you gotta want certain things do certain things be certain things be a certain like, way yeah be yourself but don't just but don't, just, don't be yourself be, like everybody else yeah be your, yeah that, be that, that's that line from batman beyond i always remembered it was like be i want to be myself like all my friends you know and and but it's true and then realizing at least personally in my journey it wasn't until i had major life changes some of them very much unwanted, but it happens nonetheless. And really in my 40s, finally figuring out who the hell I am and being real to myself and letting myself be my genuine, authentic self, taking everybody else and everything else out of the picture and being like, who am I? Just like little kid, who am I? I'm pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> and realizing that, holy crap, all these other people think I'm awesome too. And I was so worried, spending all my life worrying about what other people thought. And realizing that when I started just being me in a real authentic sense and gave myself permission to do that, that people wanted, loved it or enjoyed it or whatever, gravitated to it even more so. And that's what this movie resonates so much more than any other Spider-Man experience because it was just so authentically real. You could hear so many people saying those lines. Mm -hmm. None of the lines felt like they were written. They felt like they just went in there and they just started talking. Like they would, they would, they did their own ad libs. Yeah, you know, like that whole <laughs> walking down the street and how he greeted everybody is just like it would be if we were walking down the street or walking through a room with our friends and coming and you know going back and forth and it's it's just like that. It's just like that. Mm -hmm. And it was like I, I did almost didn't want to leave that movie because it was like this feels like home, and it made me very homesick for New York. I'm not gonna lie, it did make me very homesick for family. Because it was like, damn, you know, you know, it, it's always amazing when you see yourself represented up on the big screen. There's no better feeling than that. It really is to be able to see a mirror of yourself. Like people talk about the importance of representation and you won't know it until you experience that. Yeah. And you know it when you feel it and it feels real. Mm -hmm. That's a feeling that it cannot be taken away. And it's so important to see that. And people like to think of entertainment as just fly by night kind of like, just something to kill time with, but it's like, no. I mean, yes, I mean, you can make arguments about, you know, like our culture and maybe we're a little too into it, whatever. That's neither here nor there. I mean, entertainment is there to kind of, you know, it is a form of escape to a certain level. But it also reflects yeah, our world, our culture, like our society. And in a lot of ways, it serves as not just like, you know, a uh, template, but sometimes a mirror, sometimes just maybe as just showing us our potential. Like, you know, people would come good up to bad. good or bad. Like, you know, going back to Black Panther real quick, it's like people used to be like, well, you know, Wakanda's not real, but it's like, yes, it is. Because, yes, there may not be a physical place like this, but yet what this movie is a manifestation of my culture, like our intellect, our beauty, our passion, our art, our you know, science. And it actually just was a conglomeration of all of these different aspects of all the different cultures right at, that are real in, in that this promise world of and what just we brought are. it together and it was just kind of like if that was all together in one place mm -hmm. without anything to have taken away from that what our potential what we could have been but it's also what we still are because it's still in the blood whether it was handed on by mouth or by writing or by the music whatever it is it's so much still a part of us. And it's amazing how much culture was retained in spite of it being systematically wiped because away. Because there's certain things you just can't take away. You can't. Again, talking about that realness. When you're real, no one can take that from you. You are what you are. People can try to suppress. They could try to, like, push down. But at the end of the day, I'm Kunta Kinte. 
<laughs> I'm not Toby, you know, and it's and it's really true. When you start speaking your truth, you know, look on your Twitter feed, you know, people start speaking that truth. How quickly so many people are ready to squash that, but it's like you can't. And if nothing else, hopefully what Eileen and I in our own way have hopefully done, whether it be just talking with each other or our guests, is hopefully to bring some of that realness out. And if nothing else, hopefully that's something we'll continue to do in years to come. And give a voice to those who are holding all that back and giving, you know what? You can be real too. You can be real. And guess what? Nothing bad's going to happen except you're going to be a hell of a lot happier. And people see through what's not real. You know, it's like there's this Japanese proverb about three masks. And there's the mask that you show the world, the mask you show those close to you, and then the mask that you show even to yourself. Mm-hmm. Who are you after you strip all those three masks away? And ironically, taking off the mask is almost like the ultimate mask that you could possibly wear. Because those masks always represent something. Your own face is your most authentic you, metaphorically or physically, you know? So be real, be genuine, be yourself, unapologetically just be. Who cares? Because you know what everybody else thinks or what society or whatever culture says you're supposed to be. I can go from this country and it tells me I'm supposed to be this kind of way. I go to a different country and they're like, yeah, no, you're not supposed to be that way. You should be this way. I'm the same person, but depending where I'm at, I'm supposed to be a different person. So for that, I just be me because at the end of the day, somebody could tell you, you could be whatever you have to be, whatever. And they go on with their life doing whatever. And you're the one sitting there with all these rules imposed on your head. So 2019, Eileen and I, Latina, Latina's issues on our Luke Cage, Claire Temple flow, just slapping ninjas, <laughs> smacking motherfuckers like this. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Well, well, more hugging, less slapping. I don't know. Well, okay, I don't slapping. know. We got we got to break out some misty up on there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, put somebody Kenya up in it. <laughs> you know, so like I said, and that's the only way we know how to be. And I thank those who came before me, who allowed me, not even the ones that came before me, the ones who were sitting right next to me, who allowed me to be real. And hopefully that resonates with you, all of you. Word. So keep coming back. We'll keep giving you real. Whether you like enough. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going back. <laughs> I ain't going back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> well, probably that, that, that food's still kicking around a little bit, but. All right. Well, that, that's it for us, though. But again, thank you for seeing us through four wacky years. And, and in whatever form it takes, hopefully we'll see you for four more. And, well, I don't know. At that point, I'm pretty sure the apocalypse will happen. <laughs> All right. Let's try, let's see us through to year five and we'll take it from there. <laughs> yeah. We'll go, okay. Year five. We'll still see if we still have the, if we have the eye patches and like the. If we haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> end up on that Mad Max shit. Like, <laughs> Yo, I could rock that makeup. Actually, I think I did do that. I was like, yeah, we're, we're broadcasting live from Gastown. <laughs> um, uh, we got Joe here from Bullet Town. Um, well, he was here, but unfortunately, he had an issue with his firearm. So, well, Bullet Town will not be representing. But hey, look, witness us. <laughs> <laughs> and for the love of God, do not deem us mediocre. That's right. We're shining chrome out this bitch. Bye. That's See right. you next issue. What, what? Bye. Thank <laughs> you.